This is Two Sings podcast. We are joined by the legendary um, Amberly Snyder, who joins us um, electronically over the airwaves from our friends in the West, from Central West United States. Amberly, how are you? It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I am, I am so, so great. great. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having me. me. Hey, Amberly, welcome. So um, we, um, I, I'm going to just profess my um, my love for for what we're going to hear about today. Some, this is a story which I'm I'm deeply attached to, um, and a person that has given me a great deal of inspiration. In fact, that was how I came to um, came came to contact you, Amberly. It was your story um, that made me reach out to you. But for those um, in London who who perhaps are not so familiar, um, Amberly, give us could you give us a little bit of an introduction um, as to how you came into being. Um, Amberly Snyder, um, known over the world? Well, you know, I feel like that it started when I was honestly little. I feel like my parents raised me to be somebody who was willing to work hard, somebody that was willing to persevere, somebody that was willing to believe in themselves. You know, it all starts there with my parents, with with them teaching me those fundamentals so that regardless of what I was going to face in my life, I would be able to handle it. But my love of horses started at three when I was able to start riding lessons and then at seven I was able to start competing in rodeo um fell in love with that did that all through the junior rodeo days up into high school by my senior year I was a world all-around champion and then in 2010 my life very much changed when I was involved in my rollover truck accident which of course then changed my whole life um I mean the shortest version which I guess we, we can get into more details too but the shortest version is after that accident, I had to decide what I was going to do next. Sorry, just just to clarify, um, what was the impact of the, for the listeners, what was the impact of the accident? I was, I overcorrected my truck, was thrown from my truck and hit a fence post on the side of the road at 70 miles an hour, which broke T11, T12 in my back and injured my spinal cord. Oh my God. So that made, that left you without the use of your legs? Yeah, so that injured my spinal cord enough that it started life in a chair. Um, had to figure out what I was going to do from there. Of course, I wanted to get back on my horses. And of course, I still want to walk. Like, that's a goal I will continuously and always have until I accomplish it. But yeah, then figuring out how to get back on my horses. I mean, life was just very different. So so you're driving down the road. You have a collision, which is so impactful that you're thrown through the window of your vehicle into a fence you wake up in a hospital and you're, you're told by the doctors that you're paralyzed. I, I'm guessing the doctors were quite bleak about it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not what you expect to hear, you know? It's not what you expect to have your life look like. And at that moment, I mean, for me, for my family, for everyone involved, it's like, you know, what do you do now? Well, obviously you've gone on to become a massive inspiration. What goes through your point, your head at that that point where the doctor gives you this news? I mean, it's not, it's what's so crazy. You know, I'm 18 years old. I'm a kid and I'm thinking I'm just about to start normal life and, you know, graduated from high school and they tell you that kind of news. It doesn't feel real to start with. You know, it doesn't seem like that can be really what your life is about to hold. So you, you become very day to day. And what can you accomplish in that day? And what can you do that day? And what can you handle that day? And I think then that just grows into a week and then into a month. And then, I mean, you just discover what you're capable of. 
So, so the doctors, I understand, told you that you wouldn't be able to walk, but then you went on to obviously to to baffle them with with amazing athletic feats. When did you first set your um, set your sights on then becoming um, such a competitive horse rider and the related activities? Well, I mean, since I'd loved horses my whole life, that was, I was going to get back on. I mean, even sitting on the side of the road waiting for somebody to come and find me, I knew I would get back on a horse. I didn't know how yet, but I knew that I would. So that's what I told the doctors and I told my therapist is I needed, I need to get back on a horse. And it took four months for the first time I got back on and it took a lot longer for me to mentally be prepared to handle that situation. Um, but I knew that I loved it and I just had to figure out how to make it possible. And how did you make it possible? Well, a lot of trial and error. Um, a lot of trying to discover what I could and couldn't do, what my body was capable of doing. I uh, started with a seatbelt on my saddle, Velcro straps around my legs, my feet rubber banded in. All of these pieces that hold me center balanced and protected in my saddle. Um, it was definitely a roller coaster, but we're able to get to where we are now. Well, I was, I was reading online that when you went to university at Utah State, you went on to become the captain of the school's National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association. Yes, yes, I was, I was captain of my team at Utah State University, and then I was actually the region vice or the region secretary for the entire Western region that we were in, Rocky Mountain region. I find that absolutely incredible. And just to clarify, you were captain of a team with other people that had the use of their legs yes absolutely and you're still I mean, the they best in, they can vote in like they can they can vote in whoever they want and they voted me in what a legend that's amazing and you're still the best that's phenomenal well thank you that, that is absolutely amazing well i mean I, I i can't even put into words how impressive that is that's pretty yeah that is that, i mean Obviously, you are undaunting now and you are that light in the darkness. But I'm, I'm guessing in those early days, as you mentioned, it was a little bit, it took you a lot of courage to, to sort of um, get on to, to riding the horse and so on and so forth. I'd like to ask you this question, Amberly. Do you think that the biggest part of the battle was mental or do you think it was the physical aspects that, was, that held you back most? You know, I think it was both. Um, I think that it was obviously what, what my body was capable of. So the physical part does come into play. I mean, that's, that is no story. That is no test on, on the fact that that is a physical thing. But the mental aspect of knowing that you're still capable of it or not allowing yourself to be frustrated with everything that's going wrong. Um, I mean, that's still a battle. It doesn't matter what sport you do or what thing, anything you participate in. You know, it is a mental battle of what you're capable of. And, and I definitely had to face that with with this chair as well but well, one thing that we found while doing these podcasts is that we get a lot of people that have had sort of their own mental struggles and dark periods in their lives did you have any such period after this or were you always as positive as you are at present you know i definitely had a lot of struggles i went especially you know after my horses and i'd gotten back on and that day was one of the hardest of my life and I went through a nine month period without my horses before I got back into barrel racing. And there was a lot of dark times with that, you know, trying to decide 
what I would do and how I would handle this. And it wasn't fair and it wasn't what I'd planned on. And I was frustrated at God that he put me in this scenario and upset at my family or my friends for, for being okay. And I wasn't okay. I mean, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of dark times and I still feel like there's hard days, but I just try to have more good than bad. I think that's 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 phenomenal. You touched on um, how you questioned God. Um, how has this affected your faith? Do you still believe in God? Absolutely, I do. I feel like every time I I questioned it, he reminded me that there's a purpose and there's a plan and he's got it figured out and I just need to continue to stay strong in what I want to be and, and who I want to be and what I want to accomplish. And so... I honestly feel like my faith is stronger now than it was prior to my accident um, because it's definitely been tested and I've had to discover a lot of trust and a lot of believing in knowing that I have a purpose. Um, so I feel like it's stronger than even it was to start with. Amberly, I am both blown away and, and humbled by your words. Well, thank you. She takes it so graciously. <laughs> she, she, you are so gracious. I think I think this is a, a lady that's um, that that um, deservingly um, um, receives a lot of awe, and I I think that tells because you take it with such grace, Amberly. That's <laughs> what I can say. Well, thank you. I feel like, like I said, I feel like it all started when I was little, and just with how my parents decided to raise me, um, I think that that lays such a foundation for who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Well, it's interesting. You slipped in the term barrel racing into into your into your um, soliloquy. Um, we're in Lon we're in London at the moment, and I had to Google what barrel racing is, and I'm confident pretty much nobody in London knows what that term means. Do you want to just elaborate on what what it means to be a barrel racer, Amberly, for those that aren't in the know? Because you are apparently a barrel racer, a pole bender, which doesn't involve bending any poles at all and breakaway roping. Yes, so those are all events with the rodeo, all the all of the events that I get to compete in. Um, it's actually, it's it's really fun, you know, it's, it's a competition sport, it's a speed sport. With the barrel racing, there's three barrels set in the arena um, at different distances, depending on what the size of the arena is, and you run around them in a cloverleaf type pattern. Um, and that's what I compete in professionally now, is the barrel racing. And I love it. I mean, I'm very lucky with, with the abilities that I do have and the horses that I do have that lets me still be successful in what I do. When you say you compete, Amberly, um, are you, I mean, are you still competing with, um, so you get sort of Paralympic Games and, and um, Olympic Games. So do you have that kind of thing? Yeah, that's what's so crazy about um, about what I do is I'm the only paralyzed barrel racer in the entire United States. So I don't get my own category. There is no leeway. There is no, uh, you know, only for me type sport. I, I compete with everyone else out there. I compete with the best of the best. I compete with their professionals. I compete with, you know, whoever is there. There is no just specific category made for me. Do you, do you have any idea how inspirational that is? 
You know, that's what's so crazy. And I get asked that all the time, you know, if I feel like an inspiration or not. And I can just straight up say, I mean, it's not like I wake up in the morning and say, oh man, today I'm going to become an inspiration or, or today I'm going to try to do something that's impossible. Honestly, I wake up with the same mentality that I think we all should have of just what can I accomplish today and, and what can I do to make the world a better place today? And that's really just the way that I try to approach it. Well, I and I... I often get lucky on what I do. Well, I think the fact that you don't see yourself as, a, as an inspiration comes across in your tone, and that only makes you even more of an inspiration. <laughs> only adds well, I think, like I said, I think that you don't just decide, man, today I'm going to become inspiring. I think it's just, you know, today I'm going to handle what life has given me, and I'm going to try to be the best I can with what I have, and... I've just been lucky that because of that, it's inspired people along the way. So, so how do you fare in these competitions? You know, some days are better than others. Um, I definitely, now since I do compete professionally, I, I had to earn that card. You know, I had to earn enough money in the professional association in order to be considered that. Um, so I guess I can say I do pretty all right. You know, I keep up with, with the best of the best. Sometimes I'm a half a second, you know, um, off. And sometimes I'm right there with them. Sometimes I outrun them. It just it just depends on how that day goes for me and for my horse. And it's the same thing with everyone else. You know, it just depends on what kind of run you make that day. So when you say you're professional, Amberly, this is how you earn your living. My, I, my living comes from my speaking. So I feel like my career, my job is my speaking, but my, my passion, well, and I do love to speak as well, but my passion does lie a lot with my horses. So it's, it's both. I mean, it, it, my career as a speaker is one thing and my career as, um, as a competitor, you know, as a barrel racer is also another. So I have both. Amberly, you, you um, you're you're regarded on the circuits as 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 a well-respected and motivational speaker, and for obvious reasons. Um, a question I'd like to ask you is: When did the thought first enter your mind, or or perhaps let me put it differently: Who was it that inspired you um, that you would that that would make you think that this would be an appropriate avenue to go down? You know, of speaking, and that that just came as part of, I was serving as an FFA officer, so it's called Future Farmers of America. It's a leadership position that you can, you can obtain the year you graduate high school, and I ran and was a state FFA president, and then my speaking career really came from that. You know, I was able, to, not that I chose it, but I gave a, a retiring address, which was two months after my accident so I, I was in my rec during that year of office and I gave a, a retiring address a speech and it was on overcoming obstacles so I had written it prior to my accident but when I gave that I felt like you know people then started asking me to speak at their events and and wanted me to come and be involved so then it just grew and grew and grew and if you had to condense that speech into a few moments to share with the listeners, what would you say? You know, if I had to condense that speech, I would just say that we don't always get to choose what happens to us. Um, we do get to choose what comes next. 
and we have these plans that we have in our lives of what we think it's going to look like. And sometimes it doesn't go that way, but for sure, everyone is stronger than they think that they are. And when they're put to that test and, and put to that spot where maybe they feel like there's fear or doubt or weakness that they just need to dig a little deeper because what they have, what they are capable of is inside them. And it's okay to lean on your support to sometimes find that. What a legend. Absolute legend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, what an absolute legend. Amberly, I'm guessing that you that you visit certain places where perhaps speakers are invited en masse. Is there a particular speaker that um, that has really got your ear, that you really listen to, that you're really fond of? You know, I don't know on that one, to be honest. I feel like I've been able to listen to quite a few speakers as I've, as I've grown up. Um, one of the speakers that made a difference for me was Chad Hymas. He, just because um, I heard him before my accident and then after my accident, and that was a definite shift for me to hear both of those perspectives, especially with where I was in my life. But I don't know, honestly, if I look at who really pushes me and inspires me to be who I am, it's my family. You know, it's not, it's not somebody famous. It's not somebody noteworthy or a celebrity. I mean, it's, it's my family. They're the people who have helped me be who I am. They're the people that I lean on. They're the people who give me advice. They're the people who guide me through my challenges. So, I mean, those are definitely the people that allow me to be me. So if I understand that correctly, you, you, you have five siblings, is that correct? Yes, yes, I do. An older sister, two little brothers and two little sisters. Oh, that, that must. So I, I imagine that they, that they were a massive support to you um, coming through those times. And, and as you say, that absolutely. Was- yeah, absolutely. And they still are. I mean, they're still definitely the, the support system that lets me do what I can do. Ambly, um, you probably haven't heard our podcasts. We normally laugh a lot more than we are at the moment. (laughs) Well, that's all right. Sometimes it's serious conversation. Well, the reason that we can't laugh is that we're both blown away by your words. (laughs) It's true. We're just lost for words. And quite frankly, anything that I'm going to ask you is not, I, I just haven't got any worthy questions. I should just sit back and let you talk. Yeah, Abby, just speak. Because <laughs> what you've got to say is far better than anything I could possibly think of. It's pretty, yeah, yeah you see what we do. We, we laugh and we are, we're quite quick-witted. I must well, say, well, well, I'm quick weird. Him less so. Oh, shut but, up! Um, Honestly, this guy is always giving me a hard time. Emily, you're quite we're quite quick witted, but you've actually completely stolen away my breath. I don't know what to say. We're in shock. We're absolutely blown away by you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, uh, do you do you often have this effect on people? I don't know. I mean, I like I said. I mean, I feel like I just be myself and say what I believe I should say and uh, try to be genuine and authentic. And sometimes it just is what people need to hear. Ali, you're talking about continued uh, therapy. And, and I saw that on your on your Instagram page, um, um, which I'm going to do a quick shout out for actually now for anyone listening that wants to know more. Um, it's uh, Amberly, what's the, what's the handle on the Instagram page? My Instagram is Amberly Snyder, A-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y-S-N-Y-D-E-R. So, so on that page, it's evident that obviously you're still undertaking um, treatment. I think that you went to Columbia for some treatment um, to, to, to help 
um, on that target as a goal to, to get back to walking. Um, how, how's it going? How's the, how's the stabilizing treatment going? Um, it was good. It was good. I was glad that I went. Um, I hope to go back. I want to get into better physical shape even before I get more stem cells. Um, so I've been working on that. I feel like that it improved. It didn't make, I didn't get anything new. It's not like I, um, something showed up on my legs that wasn't there before, but I feel like it made me stronger than what I was. So sometimes even that in itself is a benefit. I hear, I hear you. You say get physically uh, even better. I, I, I did, uh, I did um, a back workout this morning and I did three, I did three sets of, of chin-ups. Put it this way, no chin-ups lasted more than three reps per set. But I've seen you bash out about 20 in one go, Amberly. How much fit are you going to get? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to keep going and see what I can do. I think a lot of it is just in my core, you know, on my balance and what I can do there. That's where I feel the biggest difference is when I ride, that my balance is better than what it was. Fantastic. That makes sense. Yeah, I think as we're practicing sex and, and two things we take pride in is our hair, um, which we keep unshorn, and chin-ups. And you, <laughs> you can do more chin-ups than this guy. And I can assure you, your, your hair is far prettier than his. Well, then I've got something going for sure. Your hair is amazing. I've got pretty nice hair. Have you seen her hair? Yeah, she's got beautiful hair. Absolutely wonderful. Your hair is more scraggly and wiry. Why have you always got to go there? Amberly, we interviewed um, uh, a a local business entrepreneur uh, a couple of weeks ago. That podcast is going to come out in a few days. Um, Her name is Erin Kaur. She's doing very well. She's released her hair products. As practicing Sikhs, we we don't we try to keep the body in um, in its natural form. We don't cut our hair on our body, um, and so my hair is quite long. It goes down down to my back, and all this guy kept doing was was taking the mick out of my hair, saying it wasn't that it's not very good. What was the word you used? Wiry. You said that my hair was wiry. Scraggly, wiry. These yeah. sorts of and then when I, when I saw your Instagram, you've got this wonderful, flowing, beautiful hair, blonde hair. I just knew that it was going to be the subject of ridicule. I mean. I mean, I don't know. I've been, I feel like in my family, if we didn't have good hair, they probably wouldn't have sent us back. So I'm glad that I made the cut. Sent you back to where exactly? I don't know, wherever we came from when my mom had us. What's, what, what's, <laughs> what's, that, what's that film? What's the film I'm thinking of when, when they throw the children away because they're, they're deformed? What? 300. 300, that's it. No, she's talking about, have you seen 300, Emily? <laughs> I have, I have, but I do, we do laugh in our family because everyone has really good hair and I think we always, we tease my, my parents that obviously that was something that was planned or maybe we had more siblings and they didn't have good enough hair, we don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know where but they've gone. <laughs> yeah, we don't know where those ones went, but luckily all of us made the cut. <laughs> Speaking of film, Amberly, um, Tell us about the Netflix documentary that featured you, that, that was based on you. Yes, that was Walk Ride Rodeo. Netflix made that, and they did an awesome job. It was, it was about um, four and a half weeks of filming. We actually filmed it really fast, but, I mean, I was able to play my own stunt double, which was awesome, and my little sister <laughs> cool. was able to play my pre-accident stunt double, which was really fun to have. Yeah, just to your sister played that, right? Yeah, yep, yep. She played my pre-accident stunt double because, you know, it would have been hard for me to play those parts of before the accident, so she was able to play those. And the girl that was my actress that played me, Spencer Locke, she had not 
ridden a horse prior to the movie. So that was why we definitely needed to uh, help her out there. Well, and I had even told them if I was going to do the movie, I needed to be my own stunt double since I'm the only one that does what I do. I didn't want them to get somebody on a horse and then, you know, ask them to just pretend like their legs don't work. I'd rather be it genuine and authentic on that. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's, that, that's 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 fantastic that you were genuine and authentic about it. So just out of interest, the lady that, that that did pay you play you in the in the film was her hair up to scratch. <laughs> you know what? She actually did have pretty good hair. So I will I will give that to her. She has more hair than I do. Not necessarily as long, but she has more of it. So yeah, it was good, which I was glad because even when they were sending me people who were going to play me, I was hoping that, you know, whoever it was, was like pretty and Spencer is. So then that was fine. You said it was pretty good hair. Do you suspect she could be one of your long lost sisters that didn't make the grade? Maybe she <laughs> was, you know, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> Absolute quality. <laughs> How did you find that experience of, of going through that journey? Um, in sped up time over four weeks, four and a half weeks. Oh man, you know, it's kind of crazy when they, I mean, it was, it was probably a six year period that we shoved into an hour and a half and into four and a half weeks of filming. And there's a lot of emotion that goes through that big of a journey. Um, there was some days I did not go because of that, that I, I didn't go while they filmed. Um, like the day of my accident, I was planning on going, but then the director pulled me aside and just said, hey, I just want you to be aware of, I mean, how this is going to go. Like, we're going to pull off this really big stunt, so we're going to have everyone celebrating this stunt. But for you, you know, it's it's the time in your life that everything completely changed. So we just, I want to make sure you're mentally in the right place for that. And I just decided, you know what, I don't think I should attend that day. I feel like that would be too hard to watch you know, even if it's not me, but technically me thrown from a vehicle and relive that accident and have them be celebrating the concept. So I said, no, you know what? I probably shouldn't go that day. Yeah, I think that probably that, that I think you that was a very probably a difficult decision to be made. But I think it was a very sensible one in the circumstances. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there was a lot of emotions that went in with it and it was really fun a lot of the time and and cool and and to see how it all came together. I mean, that was exciting, but at the same point, there are definitely some sad emotions that go with replaying things. And there are some, I mean, frustrations when it's not perfect. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of things that come into play. Abby, speaking about sad and frustrating feelings, um, you mentioned that you speak to all sorts of varieties um, of, of audiences from, from young children to professionals as a keynote speaker. Um, I, I imagine that people reach out to you all the time for advice regarding their difficult circumstances or difficulties that they're going through. Um, can you give us an example of something that you've, that, you've, that you've seen where someone's turned themselves around? Our podcast is all about bringing inspiring news, but could you think of an example of someone that you've met or that you spoke to or you've coached or mentored and how they've turned things around? For them or for me, because I can tell you both. both. I mean, there's, there's definitely been people, people that I've met that, that have changed, you know, changed my life in, in who I've met, who I've been in contact with. And then I feel like there's been people 
who I've been lucky enough to come in contact with, and I feel like hopefully changed their life as well. I think I've had both instances come into play. Well, let's start with you. You said that the people that you've met that have come into contact that have changed your lives. I'd be really interested to know who's been such an influence on you in that regard. Oh, those are always the little kids, you know, the little kids that have these disabilities and have these challenges that they face their whole life. You know, maybe they were born with something or got injured as a young kid. And I felt like, you know, they just handle life so well. I mean, they don't get upset, even though their whole life has been different and they'll, they'll never know any different. And that part is, is inspiring on, on my aspect of what I see with these kids that I meet. Amberly, I know that you're, you're, you're passionate about children and that you actually wrote a book called Walk, Ride, Rodeo. Yes, I did. I wrote that kid's book. Um, I wrote it in 2017. Um, I'd actually broke my leg at a barrel rate or at a rodeo with one of my horses. He'd fell. And so I broke my leg and I was sitting at home kind of bummed that my summer was not quite like I wanted it to be. So I ended up writing that book. And uh, it, it, I mean, people get to read it all around the world. And I'm kind of excited about that. Is it available in the UK? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and they can send it. They can send it to you there. Sorry, I'm going to just double back on this. You, after the accident, you've got a summer planned. You break your leg um, and then you just decide to write a book. That is the ultimate example of turning a negative into a positive. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I've, I've had a couple injuries and challenges since my accident between um, sores that I've gotten, like pressure sores and breaking my leg or shattering my kneecap. Um, yeah, there's been a couple challenges that come along with, I mean, just life in a chair. You know, there's just stuff that you don't plan for, but it happens. You, you talk about shattered kneecaps almost in a sort of blasé way. And I think that's really empowering to people that think that, that it's a lucky tragedy. I think we could do more of that. I think um, we've become in many ways very, very soft. Uh, but something that you said earlier, I'm going to just echo that um, people are, are capable of, of, of resisting and, and going through so much more than they think they can. I absolutely agree. I think that that's what we have to remember is is God will never give you something you can't handle. And if you feel like you can't, he's giving you the tools to, so that you can. And um, sometimes you just have to lean on that. I believe you've gone sort of pretty philosophical here. You say that God wouldn't give you something that you can't handle. Um, why would God give you something like this? What's the, what's the reason? What's the blessing behind this? You know, I don't even know if I can give the whole answer. I feel like I can just tell you that there have been moments or people that I've met um, or lives that I've changed or even saved that I think that's how I know. I think that's, I think that's how I know that God gave me this. And like I said, and it's sometimes those things are not even about me at all. Those are about the people that I've come into contact with um, that there's lives of change. And, and that's what gives me the strength to know that I can handle it. Um, is meeting those people or, you know, having a movie made about your life. That <laughs> I think about that and it's 
still seems very surreal to me. When I think about the fact that there is a movie that people can watch about me, that doesn't even seem like a real option, but, but it is. And that is what, what people can go and see and, and hopefully be inspired by. Like I said, I don't know. It wasn't like I woke up in the morning and said, that's what I'm going to do. It was just, this is definitely a plan. And I think it helps me to handle the hard days knowing that there's a plan and a purpose behind them. Ambly, you said that um, you've saved lives. Could you expand on that? Um, that very first speech that I gave in 2010, it was two months after my accident for convention. And I got a message a couple months, well, not even that. It was a couple weeks after, a week or two after from a boy that said that after hearing my speech, he, well, he had written a suicide letter and was planning on coming home from convention and taking his own life. But after hearing my speech, he decided that life was worth living and that he was going to be able to handle it. So that was, that was the first experience I had with knowing that this chair and this challenge was bigger than me, that there was something else involved. Um, I've had a couple of those experiences since then where people have reached out and, and were at their lowest of low point, but decided after hearing my story or listening to me or seeing a post or, I mean, who knows what it was that, that they were going to keep going and, and keep trying to live through this life. That is that is so warming. Uh, how did how how must it? Uh, how did you feel when you when you, when you get that? So when you get that sort of a, that sort of a message, which I imagine is quite frequent, or in particular that boy that reached out to you. How did that make you feel? Um, I mean, it just it's it's humbling in the sense of knowing that you're serving your purpose, and I think that it's empowering to know that you are capable of being in a position or a place that you can actually not just change someone's life but save someone's life so it's just bigger than you you know it's just it's not always about you sometimes it's it's about all the other people that are involved in your life 100 percent amberly could you tell us um what wheelchair wednesdays are yeah, so those started a couple years ago. Um, I was getting asked how I do what I do. And being the first person that gets back into barrel racing or even rodeo being paralyzed, I had to figure it out. So people were wondering how I did it. So I started making videos like this is how I get on my horse or this is how I saddle. And they got huge. And a lot of people loved them and were involved with them. Um, so I was able to share those. I'm actually going to be starting a new series here soon um it's going to be called i've got wheels and it's going to be a background kind of wheelchair wednesdays but way more in depth it's going to be like a whole day in the life of me and you know how i go and do places by myself or how i run errands by myself or how i ride or when i do my workouts with crossfit um it's going to be kind of more in-depth episodes of my life and when you say you're making a new series, where, where can listeners watch that? They will be able to find it on YouTube as well as Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're in the stages of filming it and hopefully we'll have it released in a month or so. Do you have a YouTube channel at present? 
I do. It's just Amberly Snyder. Okay, so those that want to listen, want to watch Amberly Snyder on YouTube. I understand um, that you set up a foundation. Yeah, it's called the Amberly Snyder Freedom Foundation. Um, I just got approved in order to make it an official foundation, and it's going to be giving pieces of freedom to people. So it could be a ramp to go into their house. It could be hand controls in a vehicle. I mean, anything that, that allows somebody to do more than what they could before. I recognized after my accident how important that was to be able to have that independence. And so I want to be able to give those pieces to other people as well. And can we make donations there um, online? How do we do it? Yeah, so far it's it's going to be, you would honestly just mail them to me um, through the Amberly Snyder, to Amberly Snyder Freedom Foundation. And I will have a website up and running to do online donations, hopefully here in the next month as well. So I'm going to get everything up and running. That one's still very new. Like I said, I was waiting for the approval so it could be an official 501c3. And I just got that. So for listeners that wanted to donate to your foundation, and ha uh, you have to forgive, the, for, forgive us for not being fully aware of the jargon. Outside of the States, how is it that we can make a donation? I would say for right now, you could email me at amberly.snyder at hotmail.com and I will line up a way to donate online. Fantastic. Amberly, it's been a real pleasure. I know that you're pushed for time and that you've, um, you've found the time to, to speak with us across the pond here in London. Um, truly, I will say this, it's really been an honour and it's been a humbling privilege um, to have listened to your story um, and for you to speak with us. I think for anybody that's seeing themselves in a dark place, um, your story is one that brings um, a clear example that no matter how dark it is, that there will always be light um, and that no dark times last forever. Um, I was especially touched to hear you speak of those that were going to commit suicide, but um, having heard you speak, um, it is no surprise to me that they changed their mind. It really is an honour to have you on. Thank you so much for your time, Amberly. I'm I'm just blown away by you, Amberly. I I I don't know what to say. Um, I suppose all I can say is that I'm normally a not, lot funnier than this. Oh, are you? And are you single? <laughs> are you single? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am at the time, yes, yeah, right now. Well, well, um, although that gives me hope, I think you're way out of my league. You are a whole different <laughs> level of human being. But if you come to the UK, I'll certainly try my chances. Well, perfect. Um, on, the, on that note, if you should find yourselves heading this way for any reason, please, you, you, obviously we're in touch now and, and, I, and I hope to stay in touch. Um, please, please give us a message and give us a heads up. Maybe we could... Um, find an appropriate place to, to to host you and let that wonderful voice bring light to people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And thank you. Uh, be, be in, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Amberly, thanks, thanks a great deal once again. Um, and we're done. Yeah, yeah have, have a good, a good one. one. Amberly, thank you. Um, I look forward to seeing you when you visit the UK. And for the meanwhile, I bid you farewell.